Well, good evening. Thank you for being with us this evening. This is another installation of our series that we do every so often with one of our shepherds. We call it Shepherd Talk. And Eddie Dunn is uh, the victim tonight, if that's it. Uh, now Eddie is one of our shepherds here and does a wonderful job. And uh, I've asked him to speak on a topic that I think all elders should be familiar with, and that is leading by example. But before we dig into that, Eddie, just for, for those of us who are new and maybe who are visiting, why don't you tell us a little bit about you as a person? About me? Uh, well, let's see. I came to Abilene when I joined the Air Force, and I was off to see the world, and out of a hundred and some people, I got an assignment in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. But my mother passed away, and I grew up in Amarillo, so... I swapped assignments with a person and wound up at Dias Air Force Base to be closer to home. I wasn't a Christian, and uh, we won't go into a long story, but a drug addict invited me to church. He got kicked out of the Air Force for drugs, but uh, didn't take with him, and it did with me. A man named Gene Hagedorn, who was a PA out at the base, attended Baker Heights, and he matched up airmen and ACU girls. So in our singles class, over 50% of them were matches made between ACU girls and Dias Airmen. And so uh, that's how I started my journey on the walk of being a Christian and uh, had a lot of good people over there that helped guide me and direct me. And I work for American Electric Power. I do electronics. I don't do the power side, but work on anything that talks to anything else electronically. And you have... Barbara, your wife. Yes, my wife, who you'll usually find in the nursery taking care of the baby class. And uh, two daughters. I have one daughter that works for the Autism Academy of Lubbock. And one daughter who just got married in March and is a pharmacist. Her husband's a youth minister at the Ovilla Church of Christ. Good. Well, that helps us a little bit to know a little bit about your background. I love that story. I wanted you to share that with everyone else. I, I'm going to ask you, first of all, you know, we have qualifications for elders that are listed in, in 1 Timothy as well as in Titus. What would you say, though, above all else, if you were to narrow it down, if you were to sum it up, what is probably the number one quality that an elder has to have? Certainly the qualifications are important right. and they're vital, and you can't serve unless you meet those. But even above those, what's the first thing that a person should have if they're going to be an elder? Well, serving, because it says let a person first be tested and prove that they are a servant of God. And just as a Christian, any Christian, the very first thing that God asks of us is to serve him. Uh, and so I think that's important for an elder, but an elder has been a proven, tested Christian. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, it says, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the Lord's commandments and his statutes when I'm commanding you today for your good. And I think there's three things he tells us there. Number one is that we have to fear the Lord our God. That means we have to respect God. It, obviously that is a very simple thing, but if we don't have respect for God, how are we going to serve God? And the second thing is, is we must obey him by walking in all of his ways. We must keep his commandments. And the third thing he says is serve him with all your heart. 
There's no room to be a part-time Christian. God asks each person that wants to follow after him to give them all that he's got. And I think as a servant, you have to be able to give your complete being to God. Good. I like that. And so as a leader, you understand that it starts with God. If I hear you right, you're saying God's the boss. Mm-hmm. And I understand that as an elder, I'm not the boss. God is the boss. Right. But still, when you talk about leadership, you are a leader over a volunteer organization. That's not easy. No. So how, how do you do that? How do you lead a volunteer organization? You know, that's a, it's a, something we discuss a lot of times in our meeting is how do we get something done? And serving God is something that just doesn't happen. And I'll go a long way around to answer your question. because <laughs> You've seen my notes anyhow. But last quarter in the uh, auditorium class, we, we talked about Joshua, one of the great servant leaders that God had in the Old Testament. And Joshua led the people by example. And we see he stood before the people and he told them that we need to clean up our act. He says, we need to consecrate ourselves, which is really spiritual renewal. We need to get rid of all the trash. He says, here we are, we're at the Jordan. We're not going to fail like the previous generation did and rejected God and wandered in the wilderness and they all died. But he says, prepare yourselves to do what God has asked us to do. Because if we serve God with all of our heart and we trust in God, we can do anything. And so to be a, a servant leader... You've got to be willing to do it yourself, number one. And, and Joshua showed that throughout the book, and he stood up in the 24th chapter, and several times it says, and he was an old man. And he stood before the people, and he knew he was about to die. And he, he challenged the people again, even at the end of his life. And most people know these two verses, and if you don't know them, you need to know them because it, it, it's a great statement that Joshua makes in Joshua 24, 14, and 15. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the type of decision that a leader in the Lord's church has to make. That's the type of decision that a Christian who wants to follow after God has to make. He says, first, we must choose. But how do you go about that? You know, when you choose something, you take the facts and you roll them around in your head, and it's a conscious decision. It's not just something that happens. And third, he says, it's something you have to do continually. You can't just say, oh, well, today I'm going to choose the Lord and never think about it again. It's, it's something that we have to do on a daily basis. In Luke 9, 23, it says, And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If we're going to be pleasing in God's eyes, we have to serve him completely and fully. And it's a decision and a choice we make each and every day of our lives. You know, I find it interesting in Joshua there where he, I've never ended a sermon with a multiple choice question. 
and that's kind of what he does. Yeah. But he understood something, and I think it's what you're getting at too, is that discipleship can't be forced. Right. I mean, you can't force it. And so you are a leader over a volunteer organization, but uh, an elder doesn't drag sheep. He doesn't pull them by, you know, a leash or anything like that. And what I hear you saying is it's all about the example that you set, and you hope that they will follow that example and, 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 and go along. So with that, tell us a little bit about attitude. How important is attitude when it comes to this, this leading by example? Attitude is one of my favorite subjects because I don't think we really think through that very often because the attitude that we have affects how we serve God. If you just think about it, in number one, it's our attitude toward God. How do you think about God? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's everything you've got. Do you really love God with everything that you have? That's the type of attitude he wants us to have. He wants us to love him with everything that we've got. It's not a part-time job. It's a full-time job with everything we've got. And I think another part of that is our attitude towards ourselves. How do we look at ourselves? In Romans 12 and 3, it says, For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. We're back to that contrast that God has with the world. The world says, if you're a leader, then you need to show power and strength. And if you achieve that position of leadership, then you can dictate and rule to other people what they're going to do. God says, if you're a leader, you're going to be the most humble person. If you're the leader of my church, you're going to have to put other people before yourself. And that's not just a rule for leaders, that's a rule for every Christian. And he says, you must not think more highly of yourself than you ought. And I think another area is our attitude towards our brothers. In 1 Peter 1 and 22, since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. If we really love each other the way that God wants us to, we're not going to say, well, I can't get along with this brother, and that's okay, they sit on this side, and I'm going to sit over here, and our paths will never cross. I can't carry a grudge against someone because they didn't like my opinion on something. I can't dislike someone because they said something that hurt my feelings. God says that we must have a sincere love for each other. That's part of the attitude that we need to have. And the fourth part of our attitude should be towards the work that we do as a servant of God. Jimmy Jividen said this a lot of times, we must have gratitude for the privilege to serve. I don't know how you can put it any plainer than that. We have to be thankful that we have been offered an opportunity to serve the God of most high. First Timothy 1 and 12 says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. To serve other people is a privilege and we need to take advantage of it every opportunity that we have, but the attitude that we have 
is one of the great lessons that, that Jesus teaches us throughout the Scripture. Sure. So are you, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's about having the attitude of Christ. That's where you start, which is, you know, for everybody. I mean, all of us should have mm -hmm. uh, that kind of attitude. But when it comes to being a leader, it's got to try your patience. I mean, it's got to, it's got to bother you at times that people don't follow suit or that, you know, when you, where you have people, you have problems. Right. And so, um, you know, one of our elders used to say they're not problems or opportunities, but either way, you've got to deal with them. So how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, how does your attitude, how does that affect dealing with the issues and the problems that people have or the issues or problems that uh, folks not, not getting along, not following like they mm -hmm. should, not doing what they should? That's the age old thing that we deal with all the time and every question. church deals with because every person has feelings and when someone doesn't do what we ask them to do, we get our feelings hurt. But we have to get past that. We have to understand that especially as leaders of a body of, of God's people, that it's not about me. It's got to be, we have to do the best thing for the whole and not the best thing for me. And so as a leader, you have to have that attitude first. And as a member, we have to have the attitude that, well, I would rather have it done this way, but it's not my choice. I'm just going to follow the pattern that is put before me. And so from both perspectives, we have to be willing to give up what we want to do what's best for the whole. It's about forfeiting my rights if, if, if need be. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you this. A church is not a democracy, but a good eldership, I think, will act democratic at times when it, when it can. Right. And there are those times where you just, there are things that the congregation's not privy to, but there are other times where the congregation, um, you know, needs to give input and, that, and, and we should listen to what they have to say and all that kind of thing. That's a difficult tightrope to walk sometimes. What would you say about the elders' role in acting democratically when they can, but also making decisions that may not always be popular, but at the same time, you've got to do what's best for the congregation right. as a whole? And that's always our dilemma is we try to gather input when we make decisions and uh, when you have more than two, and I think there's more than two here, uh, and as you get more than three, more than 100, more than 400, you know, it, get, it gets more and more difficult because you have that many opinions on uh, how to do something. Sometimes, like when we had the building built, we decided we would hire a professional to tell us what color to paint the walls and what color things were going to be because it's difficult. Everybody has an opinion uh, what color it should be. Can't, you can't have it 400 different colors. So, uh, And then there are things when it comes to scripture, we don't really have a, we can't be democratic. We've got to be about what God wants us to do. And so we have to follow that. And But, you know, when it comes to a lot of things like, uh, do you have two songs in a prayer or, or do you have one song in a prayer and then communion? Those are things that we just have to work out what's best for the congregation and, and go along that line and do it. What, what would you say is the biggest frustration as an elder? Ooh, now he's really getting me in deep water. Uh, <laughs> biggest frustration as an elder. Um, and don't say preachers. Okay, well, then I'll have to change my answer. Uh, 
No, really, I think probably the biggest frustration is when you work and you plan and you think things are set up and you've got people in place to do something and someone doesn't do their part and then it all falls apart and you know where the blame's going to come. It's not going to go to where the wheel fell off. And it, that's just uh, something we learn that we have to deal with. And uh, there are a lot of times we tell the deacons if they have a problem, we've asked you to do it, and if somebody complains to you, just bring them to us and we'll talk with them because that was a decision that was made and it was made above you and you're following out your orders. And, and so, but I think the biggest thing that we have to understand is attitude. Attitude's the biggest thing. Um, and I always go to Philippians chapter 2 when I talk about attitude. And you had part of that in your lesson this morning. My next two scriptures you used in your lesson this morning. So, but that's okay. It's good. Uh, Philippians 2, <clears throat> starting in verse 1. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus gives us <clears throat> the perfect example of attitude. He understood what his purpose here on earth was. He knew that he was going to be crucified on a cross. Just think about if you knew what your end was going to be, and it was going to be the most horrific death that a human could suffer, could you do it? Christ understood that, and he had the attitude that it wasn't about what he wanted. It was about what his father asked of him. And he says that he humbled himself and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he did it and he says, you have the same attitude in yourself that you find in me. So it's real difficult for us to argue and fight and want our way and do things because that's what I want if we're really going to follow the example of the master teacher of our Savior when he says you got to count everybody else as more important than yourself. And that's a hard lesson for us to learn, and it's hard for us to carry out in our culture. It is, because servant leadership is an oxymoron for a lot of people. Those, those two words don't seem to go together, right. but that's exactly what Jesus demonstrated, and that's what you're saying that mm -hmm. an elder is supposed to be about, is about servant leadership. And what I hear you saying is attitude is so important. When you look at the qualifications for an elder, you could see attitude in all those and how attitude is either going to make or break those things. And it's the attitude of Jesus, like you said. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask the opposite of the question I asked a while ago. What is the, the greatest joy? I mean, I'm sure there's several. What's the greatest joy in serving against an elder? What's, what's your favorite thing about serving as an elder besides the preacher? Besides the preacher? <laughs> 
I think the greatest joy is when you witness the birth of a new Christian. And it's incredible as we see someone that decides to give their life to God and, and they're buried in baptism and they rise and you know what their past is and you know what they're trying to achieve now and you, you want to help them to grow and to strive to be the type of person that God wants them to be. Uh, I think that's probably the greatest joy. Well, as we, as we kind of wrap up our discussion, um, talk a little bit about some examples from Jesus that have helped you in your, in your ministry as an elder. I mean, what do you see in the life of Christ that you have taken away from to help you in your leadership? Well, my favorite scripture is John chapter 13, if we want to talk about what it means to be a servant leader. Christ, as we've talked about, understood what was fixing to happen in his life he knew he was going to go to the cross and he was going to suffer and he was going to have to carry the burden of sin of each of us to the cross and in John chapter 13 beginning in verse 1 it says now before the feast of the Passover Jesus knowing that his hour had come that he should depart out of this world to the father having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end and during supper the devil, having already put into the heart of Jesus Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about, and he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And so he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you shall understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. And so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then I, the Lord, and the teacher wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The Son of God, the one with all power and authority, he did the lowest, the dirtiest job that was available to do. That job was reserved for the, the person on the bottom of the totem pole because it was a nasty job. But Jesus did it, and he said, you do likewise. So I think from two lessons as a servant leader, shepherds are to be watching out for the flock, and if they need their feet washed, their feet get washed. If they need something else, that's what we do. And as Christians... This, this lesson was pointed at Christians in general. We wash each other's feet. I don't care if you're the president and CEO of a company. Uh, you know, if you're the 
manager of a store, whatever you are in the worldly job, but as Christians, we're all bond servants. Not one servant is any better than the other servant. We all, like all servants, have different roles in the church. But we are all equal in the eyes of God. And we need to keep that in mind. But the first thing is that we're servants. If the trash needs carried out, we carry out the trash. If the, you know, windows need washed, we wash windows. If we need to sit with somebody at the hospital, we sit with somebody at the hospital. Because that's the command that the master teacher gave us. Thank you, Eddie. Appreciate that very much. And thank you for sharing that wisdom on servant leadership and leading by example. One thing that I can say about our elders is uh, they're all servant leaders and they're all very good um, at dealing. We talked about those problems earlier. I meant to insert that. You guys are so good at, at reacting well and in a godly manner and I appreciate that about you guys. Somebody asked me not long ago, they were thinking about coming over to Oldham Lane and placing their membership with us and they said, is there anything I need to know? Any deep dark secrets, anything <laughs> like that? And you know, it's very rare that the preacher can tell someone, I don't know of anything going on here that would upset you or that you need to be weary of. I, I don't. Now, I'm, I'm just the preacher. There may be something looming out there, but seriously, I, I feel really good about where we're at right here, right now, because of uh, the leadership that we have, because of the people that we have, right. and I just want to thank you guys, and I want to ask our congregation to make sure you continually thank our elders for the job that they do, sometimes a thankless job, yeah. but like you said, there's a privilege in, in that, and our gratitude for that privilege. Right. Um, We'd like to end with an invitation. David's going to lead us in a song. If there is something that you know, we can help you with, pray with you about, if you'd like to study the Bible with someone, then please don't hesitate to come while we stand and as we sing.